welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Clyde, for being a guest on my podcast this morning. And um, we're a mutual friend and a previous guest on my podcast, uh, Jim, kind of got us together. And, um, <clears throat> but I don't know you real well, so I can't really introduce you really well. But, uh, you, you know, just talking with you, um, you're retired from the military, and then you're you retired also from, um, sounded like kind of like a technical job with Scott's Trade. Yes. And then, uh, and you said you're in jujitsu, and uh, that's kind of more of a recent thing for you, right? All right. Well, it's not my first time. I, when I was younger, I did competitive judo over in Scotland. Okay. Yeah. So this is so this is this is, this is similar. Gig, yes, it's the grappling style, mm-hmm. but it's predominantly ground grappling, where judo was predominantly stand up fighting with with throws and grappling. And I um, did that in my twenties, and I was stationed in Scotland. That's where I took it up while I was there and I I did well with it I competed all the time and um, made the national team while I was there oh really yes wow so um, but that was in your 20s yeah now you're not in your 20s so like um, you're in your what I'm 63 (laughs) 63 okay so you're in your early 60s yeah so what's it like like I've heard that jiu-jitsu is kind of hard on the joints and so forth (laughs) it depends on how you've taken care of your health it can be you know, it's like any uh, combative type sport. It's, you know, I actually tore a knee ligament about four weeks ago and rehabbing that now. But that's just part of the game. You know, I used to get a lot of stuff like that when I was younger, too. My recovery times are about the same, though. I mean, if you take care of your body, it'll, it'll recover at a normal, a normal rate. So what my, do you- my age doesn't work against me. It actually helps. <laughs> Because you're smarter, is that how it helps? Yes, you learn to you learn to take the rest you should take. So, how do you take care of your body so that um, you can recover well? I spend a lot of time stretching and doing mobility exercises. Like um, like every morning, it's about twenty or thirty minutes just of, of stretching. But then every other day is about two hours of mobility and stretching. Two hours of mobility and stretching. Yes. So, and what's the mobility part? You know. It's mainly to um, loosen the uh, joints and the muscles. A lot of times, especially hips, shoulders, lower back, especially because of our sedentary lifestyle. You know, you sit a lot and you sit on your glutes a lot, and they get they kind of stick. And mm-hmm. if you don't break them loose, it causes other stiffness. And you know, my flexibility is pretty high. I mean, most of the guys I work with are forty years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So the stretching, I know what that is. So when you're working on the movement, it's just like working through full range of movements and, and things right. like that. That's the, the mobility part. There's a book I found. is is called Becoming the Supple Leopard. It's actually a whole book on Oh, mobility. yeah, by Kelly Starrett? Yes. Okay. I, I do a lot of what's in there, and that really makes a difference. I've, I have found 
You know, when we're younger, we're told we need to do all this exercise to get ready for things. And what I'm finding is I'm doing a lot less exercise and a lot more stretching and mobility. And that gives me enough of what I need to be okay when I go on the mats. Mm-hmm. Because it, math fitness is a little different when you're constantly pushing and pulling in different directions. You want to build up a lot of functional strength and flexibility. Otherwise, you will tend to get injured more if you don't put the work in. So. Nowadays, when they talk, when stretching comes up, they talk about like either dynamic stretching or static stretching. Um, do you under, have you? Yes, already, yes, I'm familiar with both. Okay, the, the static is just your normal stretching, and dynamic is you're, you're stretching under load. You're kind of moving around right. and stretching or kicking your legs. And, do you lean one way or the other more? Or? Um, whatever works. I I, I'm, I study it, so it's kind of yeah. when I when I get onto a new topic I'll get a bunch of books on it and read about it and keep researching it I'm finding what works because um, well last February I had injured my psoas muscle which is the one you use to pick your leg up (laughs) and I did that lifting weights but I had to find I also had a sciatica problem for like decades (laughs) and through the mobility and stretching I don't have a sciatic a problem anymore i was able to f- figure out how to get the get all the muscles loose and i just keep keep with that routine to um stay flexible because it, it's kind of nice not having any more pain and i've gotten the opposite i've gotten older and i have less pain i have more flexibility yeah that's great and that's well it's not a secret anybody can have that if they're willing to put the work in it's right, the, and we we're so so often we're restrictive while you're older. That's why it hurts. And <laughs> after ten, fifteen years of the same doctor, I'm finally changing. Because look, I fixed it my, on my own by studying and figuring out what I needed to do, and I never really got any solid advice in the medical community other than they want to well, you're older. <laughs> well, you don't have to be inflexible and stiff as you get older unless you don't want to do any work. <laughs> Yeah, but you, I guess you have to put the time in, like you, you said, like right. two hours a day that you work well, on this. It's every other day. Well, every that's because I've, I've added a whole section of uh, uh, rehab for my knees. Okay. Which was, which, so it's about a half an hour to an hour okay. every other day. Just the normal stuff, but then I've added as I needed to um, get the rehab on the knee done. So I've been reading a book called Built from Broken by Scott Hogan. And um, it goes in depth on joint health. And um, his kind of thing is that um, there's a therapeutic way to add load to joints in a systematic way. So a lot of times our joints are injured because of some kind of load that, um, and sometimes it, you know, you have an acute injury, but it's because leading up to that, without you knowing it, you were doing damage and degrading your tendon or whatever. Yes. And then all of a sudden you have something that's really painful. Mm. But so he said, you first have to de. he says you have to deload, like whatever you're doing that's causing the damage, you got to back up, but then you have to um, systematically add load to that joint uh, at first um, lightweight and high reps, but then um, each week increasing by like, 10 or 20 percent the weight and so forth so until it becomes like a low reps and high load and that that um it causes the um collagen and the tendon 
to um, repair that, like um, that adding the load gets things going, you know, and the healing and so forth. And um, I don't know, do you have any thoughts about that type of thing? Well, but then what I've found is, uh, you know, function follows form. If you don't have good form, you're going to reduce your functionality in your joints and such. And that's what I've had a focus mainly on. And that's, you know, that's the, the thing about mobility. It's a um, good example is a lot of people have back pain or have a knee problem. Uh, 90% of knee problems, either you got an ankle problem or a hip problem. And it's causing a load on the knee. And, and it, as an example, say each piece is 100%. Well, when one piece, the muscles around it aren't working correctly, um, 20% goes to the hip and 10% goes down, you know, it comes off the ankle, I mean. And so you want to load in your knee about 140, you know, 130. And that extra load over time, like you just described, causes the problem, the injury, because your, your hip's out of alignment or your ankles are too tight. You don't have the mobility in them. That's what the point of mobility is to really get all the structures working correctly so that when you go to do something, you're not going to maybe finally overload it to the point where something pops, you know, the muscle goes or ligament pop. But most of the time with joints, it's really the muscles around the joints. And that's the point of the mobility exercise. This is to loosen all those back up. I showed a friend that young guy at the gym, um, one of the knee exercises I did with to, to kind of create space. And he tried it while he was sitting there. And they said, that's the first time I've walked in four years without my knee popping. Wow. And so it was just getting the muscles. Like a lot of times, you're, it's, if you're, the knee, a lot of times, it's the quads and the, the hamstrings and the calf muscles or are, are something's too tight. And it pulls on the joint and causes that misalignment. And then you get used to the misalignment. Hmm. And you'll have that misalignment for decades until you injure it to the point where, okay, now I'll go to rehab and... So we, we tend to just struggle along instead of learning ways to. It doesn't have to stay that way. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of my lower back problems went away in a couple of months hmm. of doing the exercises versus the 30 years I've had the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and now I don't. But if I, but if I don't keep up, it it goes back to what it was. It's like everything else. If you don't maintain the the conditioning and the strength training that you need for your uh, functionality, you go right back to it. And even when I injured my knee recently working out, I had a, well, do I keep going? Don't keep going. So well, I go because I want to be stronger and flexible. So if I stop going, that stops too. Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, the body really is about the law of inertia. You got to keep it in motion, otherwise it just right. goes stiff and doesn't work right. Yeah, and then um, and then learning this, like that book you mentioned, the Supple Leopard, is, is it like the main um, way you've kind of learned how to um, deal with your body and you know in a, a profitable way? Well, when I was younger, I learned a lot through the judo. Like, okay. If I if I trip on something, I don't fall down. My my, my foot naturally just picks up. And there, there's certain muscle memories that from martial arts that uh, that's just that have stayed with me. Like when I, my first class with the jujitsu group, you know, they see this old 63 year old guy come in and like, what's he? Going? And the first the first guy goes, "You kind of know what you're doing already," <laughs> because I. I have my memories, you know, things, when you start moving in, when you've done something long enough physically, 
and you start moving in that way and you quit thinking, the memories come out and you start functioning like you used to. You know, it might be a little sore at first, but the uh, a lot of things are actually working right pretty fast. So Judah in your 20s, Jiu-Jitsu in your 60s, what what have you been involved with between then as far as like swimming, food? exercise, yeah. uh body weight conditioning. Yeah. You know, put on too much weight, taking it back off, you know, the normal fluctuations yeah. that we run, but I've always been active. Yeah. So I recently have been introduced into rock climbing by my kids and um we go to the rock climbing gym. I go about weekly, they go more often and then we went I went on my first outdoor rock climbing, um, you know, time on New Year's Day. And I'm really liking this a whole lot. And as I listen to a podcast to rock climbers, it seems like it's a little bit injury prone, mainly the hands and the shoulders. Um, so I'm hoping to be, re- you know, to resilient enough to, to do this you know, for a long time, you know, um, but, um, anyway, I, I, I think, um, I think you're right. It's like, you know, gaining the knowledge and then just working it out. And, um, that a lot of gain can be had by just the determination and, um, figuring it out and, um, that age doesn't have to, stop you from enjoying things you know no it doesn't i mean i've injured both of my shoulders over my lifetime with sports and work because on ships i did a lot of heavy steel work and pipe work and stuff too (laughs) but um what i learned in rehab for my shoulders i still do those exercises every day Hmm. and i have no shoulder pain and i have full mobility in both shoulders Hmm. so it's you might tweak it a little bit but by understanding how and then learning how to put the mobility back into it. And then you got to learn which muscles weak. And that's the ones you kind of got to focus on balancing. A lot of times our shoulders are out of balance. You know, we sit so much forward. Mm-hmm. The front of the shoulders almost need no work. It's really the back that needs to work to pull mm-hmm. the shoulders back in place and keep them stable. And it's just learning those little things, even how we sit sometimes, you know, if I sit, a lot of times I'll sit to one side and I'll wake up, oh, that's stiff now. I need to readjust how I'm sitting on a daily basis just to, mm-hmm. you know, recondition. It's, it's a lot of relearning as you get older. Because we, when we're younger, we think we know everything. And then we get to the point where we think we know everything. And then we just keep operating that way. Mm-hmm. But if you're not willing to keep learning new things, then you won't have any gains. So um, what's your fitness routine look like? Is there, is there anything besides just your mobility and stretching routine? Like, I think you mentioned weightlifting. Is that right? I haven't done that in about since I injured myself. Okay. So I've been mainly doing body weight conditioning, squatting up and down physically, push-ups, dive, you know, right. that kind of strength training. Um, but the, the jiu-jitsu itself, there's a lot of grappling. So you, you, you expend a lot of energy, and you do build up a lot of strength, and you start realizing how much strength you don't need. Versus how much strength you think you need to use. Because it's really about levers and angles. Mm-hmm. And like when I first started, my shoulders were burnt out every 
after every practice, now my shoulders don't get sore at all because I don't. I'm not pushing all the time. It's learning how to, relearning how to use the body because there's a lot of competitors who are very small who against go against guys who are twice their size and win because they're not using any strength. They're using technique and levers and mm-hmm. angles to get the advantages that way. Yeah, and when you have the the, the challenge is when you actually naturally have a lot of strength. I grew up that way. Um, you tend to want to use it. It's, the, the, the key is to go to practice and don't use it. And then try and learn the techniques to come out of things. It's a neat sport. It's kind of like a mental, kind of like wrestling, I guess. You know, it's like something to that's figure part out. Of it. it's, <clears throat> it's like human chess. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think I like about it so much. And you constantly get to troubleshoot and work through a problem because you get put in position, you got to work your way through it. And I'm, that was my biggest skill when I work was troubleshooting things. So I get to do it physically again mm-hmm. and that. And then you, uh, you, you build up your grit, so to speak, because you've got, is it, well, you're going to keep getting beat up or you're going to find a way through it. You know, and, and I think that's a, a really good skill to learn if you don't have it, especially, you know, especially in our youth. If they, there's a lot of young guys there, and you could see a difference in working with them on, on a regular basis when them being around other people of their same age who don't have that same discipline. They're a lot more relaxed and more they're, they're under a heavy load of stress. They're able to relax and work through a problem. Um, is there anything else you do for like, I don't know, con- concerning diet or anything you do for endurance and energy or, you know, anything like that? I sleep more than I used to. Oh, do you? That's <laughs> okay. key. That's actually a big piece. Cause if you want to lose weight, you have to sleep more. <laughs> So your body needs the rest to rebuild and break things down. Um, I'm mainly whatever I want, but I mainly proteins and very little, try and cut no carbs because that doesn't do well for me. Uh, I get a lot of inflammation if I eat sugars and carbs. Yeah. And I stopped all the sugar and I thought I was good. And then I went and got... My gear when French fries, my hands swelled up again. So it's, not, yeah. it's the carbohydrates that don't do well for me. If I stick mainly with proteins and mm-hmm. complex carbs, like fruits and vegetables, stuff like that, right. I have no swelling. I have a little bit today. You can see my hands are a little bit puffy. Mm-hmm. But if I overdo it on carbs, I won't be able to bend my fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm paying attention more. It's like, you know, if we if we ate and spent money like we were in our 20s, we'd be broke or and dead <laughs> because our bodies we have to adjust as things as things change but I notice the more processed something is the more information I get so there's a lot of chemicals in our foods that um, are added because I was down on vacation with my wife and I ate whatever I wanted and we were down we were in Mexico but we weren't in the US and I don't drink milk because it gives me problems mm-hmm. when I was down there I was drinking there was uh I don't put milk in my coffee either, but I did it there, and it didn't bother me. Hmm. And their sweets didn't bother me either, mm-hmm. which told me there's something we do different in the U.S. in our food processing in both our dairy and in our sugars that cause more inflammation. Hmm. I don't yeah. know what that is, but I, I'm, I'm more susceptible to it. I, I pick it up more. Mm-hmm. Um 
So do you, sleep is a struggle for a, <clears throat> a lot of people. Do you s- sleep well or, um, you know, no. Okay. <laughs> that I have. I don't sleep more than three or four hours straight. Okay. Lifetime. It's been like that. Yeah. It used to be worse when I was younger. How do you sleep more or how do you get enough sleep? You just roll back over. Okay. You just, you know. Just work at it. You just go, <laughs> you know, no, I, I kind of call it banking sleep. If I bank enough, I'm good. Okay. And I, and they say go to bed early. That doesn't work for me. If I go to bed at 11 o'clock and get up at 6, I'll be tired all day. If I go to bed at 1 o'clock and get up at 8, I'm wide awake all day. It's just how my particular cycle works. And I, So a lot of times I'm up till 12, 1 o'clock every day okay. at night. And then I will get up between 8 and 10. Yeah, I can't. I can do that now because I'm retired. But right. it was harder when I had to be at work at seven every day. It was more of a challenge. But it's just learning, you know. But I'm always occupied with something. I'm either reading or studying something, looking something else up about either physical or I or woodworking or CNC or mm-hmm. martial arts or philosophy and religion. Yeah, I kind of. I never. I, I got more of a Renaissance type. I've got to have multiple things to. Keep right. my attention. And you enjoy uh, like philosophy mm-hmm. and religion? Yes. Um, well, you know, when I ask us to be on my podcast, um, you know, I try to give them a little bit idea of what it's like. I say, well, it's um, kind of, um, I forget how I put it, but one um, thing is, you know, it, it's just like what's one's philosophy of life? Or I know I, I normally say, well, we're gonna we talk. I often ask my guests about their foundational beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, and a, a guy recently said, "Oh, you mean like what's my philosophy of life?" I said, "Yeah, that's what I mean." <laughs> <laughs> so for you, um, how would you put that? You know, what's your philosophy of life, so to speak? Well, there's no reverse, so you got to keep moving forward. I, I do believe in God, um, more so than I used to. I mean, when I was younger, I mean, I never did not believe in God, but I didn't utilize him. <laughs> didn't kind of put all my eggs in that basket and lean lean there. And since I've been doing that, I, I find that I'm so much calmer <laughs> in general. You know, I, my tolerance levels have gone through the roof in comparison to how I used to get about things that bothered me. Mm-hmm. What kind of got me there was philosophy, though. I, um, when I retired, I moved to St. Louis from Florida with my wife, and I wound up going to uh, UMSL for school. So mm-hmm. I did an MIS degree, but I did a minor in philosophy. Oh, did you? Yeah, I didn't. It, it was, um, I started out in computer science, didn't like it. I didn't want to get a math degree. But I like managing systems and troubleshooting systems, so that that I, I switched over to that. But when I started the computer science, you had to have an area of interest as a requirement, and I chose philosophy because it had the least number of prerequisites. Hmm. But what I found through that is um, I really liked it, especially the proofing. A lot of people, you say philosophy, they think pie in the sky stuff. I go, no, it's a it's a it's a it's a proof for every other piece of knowledge in the world. Is what you utilize. You run it through philosophy to find out whether that system's true or not. 
So is that kind of like logic? Is that what you're talking That's about? one of the classes. Okay. Uh, philosophy of science is another one of the classes, and there's the, the classic studies of you know the different philosophers, the, you know, the, right. the Greeks and the Western Europeans and stuff like that. One of my favorite classes, we had to do a class. It was um, ethics and technology. And the thing about ethics and technology, the technology shows up first before the ethics do. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. gotta gotta figure out how does this apply, and then do the ethics. And what was great, the teacher he was Syrian, so his most of his philosophy knowledge was all Eastern, hmm. and he would always tell us something about philosophy. He goes, "Yeah, it's the same as the Greek, but ours is earlier." <laughs> Meaning it had came they had came up with the same conclusions, but mm-hmm. there was just an earlier education of it. But it was a really good class, and I, I noticed what he was doing as we went along. He would give half the argument one class and then give the other half the next class. Mm-hmm. And I started to pick up on that. And he actually gave me extra credit for helping him develop the curriculum because I kept mm-hmm. I, I picked up on that and started you know, arguing both sides and realized there's, there's no right or wrong side of an argument. There's just your side. So it was understanding that makes one want to take it all in more and then and see how it all lays out together as a, as both halves. Instead of only looking at things halfway, you want to be looking at taking things more into totality and seeing how it applies. Yeah. Um, but, but saying that there's no um, right side of the, an argument, I mean, it, things aren't always totally black and white and so forth. But um, that almost sounds like saying everything's just a preference. There's not like a right and a wrong or something like that. Is that what you mean, or more more of a paradigm? You know, we're we're in this school of thought here. Okay. To be able to change our school of thought, we've got to give up our school of thought <laughs> that we're in to be able to go to the next one. It's like when you find when you finally find your faith. You know, you're in this school of thought about it, and then all of a sudden something comes along and, and just erases it all. I've always been able to drop a system and pick up another system. I, I don't spend too much. If, if something works, I'll change. It used to, my kids used to get bugged by it. How can you just drop, change all of a sudden like that? Well, the system doesn't work. I'm a system thinker, so it's just it's easier. Where my emotions aren't part of decision-making, it's whether it's a practical, well, does it work or doesn't it work? Can you give me an example of that? How I eat. I mean, I was vegetarian for a while and realized, no, I, I can't eat like this anymore. I, I tried it for a while. And mm-hmm. I just kind of, you know, going back to church after not being in church, you know, things like that. You know, it's like, um, working with guys in 12 step programs have helped me transcend that a lot more because a lot, I realize we're all at different levels in what we believe. And some people don't have any concept, of, any conscious concept of God. I think we all have a, a, con, a concept of God that's just innate, but a conscious meaning we're not thinking, are we thinking about it? How does God affect my world instead of me affecting the world? And making those kind of uh, understandings and shifts all the time. You know, it's the, a good example was I was working with a fellow. In 12 Steps, he was over the house, and he started asking me if I read the Bible and do I go to church. And I got very mad, and I told him, don't bring it up again. So the next time he calls me, 
and he brings it up on the phone. Hey, you want to go to church Sunday? And I'm like, and I started to get feel all that rage again, and I heard this other this voice in my head said, you're going. And I've literally been going ever since. That's I me. Mean, he's like, wow. okay, I get it. I need to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I listened. You know, and that's what I mean. It, it, it's, it's, we talked earlier about information and learning. Well, sometimes you got to listen to the information you're being given so you can get to a better place in life. And that was my first kind of step forward out of what I thought I should be doing. Now, you mentioned that you thought that you think that everyone has like uh, some kind of an innate knowledge of God. Right. Now, what about atheists who, um, you know, say that they, they don't believe in God? That's their belief. Okay, but they're, that, they're, that's, that's their concept that, that, that there isn't one. I mean, some might say that's the wrong concept or the right concept, but that's how they live their life off of that worldview. Yeah, right. But um, were you saying that you thought that even the, they innately believe in God, or is that not what you were, you were saying? That they have a concept of God. They have a concept. Whether they believe or not, it's uh, that's an, an, okay. an individual answer. So that they have a concept. Yeah, of who, we're what? innately born with a with a with a concept that there's a God. Okay. Or an understanding that there is one. Whether we accept it or not, I think is where the struggle comes in. Okay, so um, a concept of God. So more than just understanding the definition of well, God means this, but um, somehow um, sensing that there is a God, but. It's a matter of accepting that or not. Is that kind of what you're getting at? No, that's so much accepting it. It's just understanding that there is or there isn't. I mean, it's what we believe changes over time. And you know, I think to truly follow God, you got to step past belief into faith. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to. A lot of people think those two words mean the same thing, and they don't. Believes if you look if you put if you do a word study between the word believe and the word faith, believe has a requirement of a proof. Faith doesn't have a requirement of a proof. We might come to believe something after we've been given the couple of proofs, but the initial the step towards something with no proofs that's faith. And I think that's a bigger struggle. That means I've got to completely give up everything I think is real and follow something I can't completely defined on my own because it's bigger than me right so faith is not the same as having like evidence you know that's why it's faith um or i mean it's not the same as having proof because that's why it's faith but it might be based on reasons like if i have faith in a friendship that this friend is not going to let me down when i'm in a bad place or whatever you know so um so there is faith there. It's like I don't know what the future holds and what he's or she's going to do, but it is based on like that person's character or something. So, um, and you're and you're saying that's different than belief. Belief is like um, what we ex- is accept as reality based on what we can test and evidence and so forth like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. I think we even if. Once one does go to faith, we do come to also a belief in God, too, because we've seen the proof doubt in our, over our lives. If you're willing to look, you can see the path over right. time. 
and that that some people call that coincidence. I don't. I call it the truth. You know, God's is that God's that thread through my entire life, and I can see right. the bits and pieces where things, the courses have been changed too many times without my without my say so or control, and it's always worked out better if I would just go along with that. Right. So there's some type of, um, yeah, like knowing God and, mm-hmm. you know, that comes along as we trust him. Right. Yeah. Um, of speaking, of, so there's a, a philosophy teacher, her name is Esther Meeks, and she wrote a book, Longing to Know. And it's kind of along those lines. Mm-hmm. And she's basing that off of another philosopher in history, and I can't think of his name, mm-hmm. but it's like, the puzzle, the pieces just come together. She likens it to um, one of those magic eye puzzles. You know, that's got you, you. It's got all the colors. You don't really see a picture, but you just put it up there, and someone can kind of direct yeah. you and go closer. You know, do this with your eyes or whatever, and then bam, picture comes to. And they're even just to. And then when that picture comes into focus, it's almost like experientially knowing that there's something to this, but you have to like listen to someone direct you or, or you have to have enough faith in it to make, uh, to think it's worth the trouble just to work with it. So there is like this measure of faith that comes to before you actually experientially know and so forth, you know, Mm -hmm. um, now in, in, Studying philosopher philosophy, did you all study um, Alvin Plantinga? No, I don't know that one. Okay, more like Immanuel Kant and okay, so more I, of the classic I like, people. I like the it was all the classic stuff. Yes, yeah. cool. Well, my favorite is uh, Epictetus, though. Okay, I'm not Stoic, really Stoic, Stoic philosopher. philosopher. Okay, a lot of people uh, like if you actually ever read his stuff, you'll you'll, you'll realize the the Serenity Prayer. Actually came from him. Oh, did it? Yeah, there's there's a way he puts a particular saying in one of his writings, and um, you can see that the roots of the Serenity Prayer and that because it's about you know regardless of what's coming at us, it's we you know we can either suffer under it or we can accept it and move forward. Right. Right. Okay, so your um, philosophy of life. It's like moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> I keep going. I'm, I'm pretty stoic by, by nature as well. I don't express a lot outwardly. This is what I would look like if I was enraged too. It doesn't really. I have a very poker poker face. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it 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 can it can make some people uncomfortable. <laughs> Took my wife a while to get used to it. Yeah. Because I wasn't that. I'm not an outward expressor. I mean, I'm I'm good in one on one conversations, but I don't really like speaking out loud with a lot of people in the room. It, yeah. It just, I guess I get nervous from it. Once I start doing it, I'm fine. It's just get, getting there. You know, might, might be, I do where, where I grew up though, which was the Bronx in New York. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. In the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Well, what has um, made like a big impact on your life to kind of shape you? Are there, you know, just, uh, a time or two or three or whatever in your life that um, either something happened or some person or something that uh, really impacted you to shape you to be the person you are today? 
internal intuition. I it's never I can't really point to one thing, but I always I mean if you look at my if you look at my life backwards, it looks like I had a plan. Mm-hmm. I never had a plan. I never have a plan. I never decide. I never. I don't. One of the things I, I, I dislike most when I worked, we could do goal setting. I go, how do you do that? I, I could never get it. They used to have to help me make something up because I. Even where I'm at today, based on where I started, there's no direct path. There's no explaining how I got to where I'm at now. Never mind a simple thing like work goals. So I've been. I've kind of, kind of gone more on how I. Into the situation is kind of how I operate. Hmm. Then to be able to read things quickly and get a good feel of things in the first split second of meeting somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yes, I make plans because um, I want to kind of know where I'm going. I don't want to, like, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my this coming up year or whatever. Like, at the end of the year, where do I want to? to be like what's really important to me and then what do I have to put in place to make sure I'm there because that's where I want to go or something like that you know Mm -hmm. so if you're like more into internal um internal um, intuition um you don't know really where you're going, but you're just confident that it's in the right direction. Is it kind of what it's? What That's it's, one way to put it. Yes, okay. I mean, God guides us if we're willing to pay attention to it. Yeah, and a lot of times I thought those were my ideas, the ones that worked out really well, and I realized they weren't. They were God's. <laughs> I just was paying attention. You know, the Holy Spirit. You know, as my faith talks about, it's you have to pay attention to what's going on on inside, and then kind of. I'll sit in that for a while. You know, a lot of times I, I could think about a lot of things at the same time. I have memories pretty, still works pretty well, but I'll remember stuff from 40 years ago and I'll see, and I'll get the answer 40 years later and I'll go, okay, that's what they were talking about. And my head will go back to that particular point in time because at the, at that particular juncture, I was like, what, what's this about? And then I'll get the answer later, (laughs) but I won't, I tend not to leave things alone if I don't have an answer in my head that makes sense to me. You know, it's just we'll guide it along. I don't it's life can be hard, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, it has its challenges. We all we all go through the challenges, but it doesn't have to be as hard as people want to make it out to be cuz my growing up was extreme. It was it was serial trauma. Of the drama, after drama, after drama, after drama, and I don't. But I'm not a mess now because of it, because I decided I didn't want to be a mess, and I started doing some of the work and look, trying to look at things differently. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to get back in the church and actually follow it and read it and you know pay attention to what God's got planned for me, which I don't know what that is, but I. I keep finding myself doing new things <laughs> that I wouldn't have not done before. Like this past year, uh, our church asked me and my wife if we would lead one of the groups, one of the rooted groups. And I was comfortable, and my wife wasn't as comfortable. Well, she's a really smart lady too, though. But she, um, it was I was more comfortable. But before we had done it, 
they had uh, they had asked me to do a testimony where they were going to put it up in church, and that was a little bit unnerving for me because nobody I don't really speak too much about myself outside of a certain number of people. And that was up there in front of everybody. <laughs> and after that, I was like, okay, what do you want to talk about? It kind of, it, it was one of those, and you, I'm sure you experienced yourself in your life where all of a sudden you could shift it. Your psyche could shift it for you so you can be ready to do the next thing God's got planned for you. And that's what's happened to me a lot of times. I mean, I'll, I'll fight for a long time with a, a perspective that I think needs to be the certain way. Then all of a sudden it'll go... No, God wants you over here now. Like my first time I went to South Dakota with the Oakville, Faith Oakville, um, I'd never been on a mission trip before. And my friend had asked, uh, had asked me to go with him. And it's uh, and when I got there, um, the Pine Ridge Reservation, the, the crime, the drugs, the gangs, the broken families, the alcoholism that's through the roof, one of the poorest places in the U.S. Um, the lead guy up there took me around and showed me everything, and I went, you know, this looks just how I grew up. <laughs> and every, and then, and then it made sense what, what I had to go through. Because what I went through, I got to the other side of, and now I'm meeting people who haven't. Mm-hmm. So that's where I get to help be a guide. Mm-hmm. And that's where you know. So it's we we get a lot put on us that's negative, and we and we think that's the end all. And I had a, a really good experience on my last ship at sea with a my department head. It was a lieutenant commander Lobline, who retired as a four star admiral. Mm-hmm. But he was a very devout Christian man, and at that time I wasn't following anything. But he had got my whole we. It gets quiet at night, and he came into the shop, and we talked a lot. And he got my whole history, so to speak, through those conversations. And uh, he goes, he told me he was envious of my life. I go, why? I go, well, I've never had any trials. You've had so many. I go, what would be the point if we all had had the same amount? I mean, I'm glad there's people like you in the world who don't have to have that. Otherwise, people like me in the world will never get forward because we just all be in a mess but he was a very big influence in my faith because he's you know actually after i came to faith i wound up calling him let him know that i that i had oh did you do that i did do that i reached out to him i mean he's it's two different worlds and how we live i still let him know that after after a couple of years i wanted to make sure i was you know they want to call him and then not keep doing what i was doing Mm -hmm. make sure i was sure about it but he was a he was a big influence in me getting the faith because uh, you know he was a perfect example. You know he went to the Naval Academy, married his high school sweetheart. They did mission trips together all the time, things like that. But it wasn't so much him that tipped me over, though. It was the Muslim I worked for that tipped me over the scale, <laughs> because he was very devout to his faith, and I got to watch him every day. Mister Lobline was as well, but at that time I still had I must have still had a lot of anger internally towards. And I'm not going there, Christianity. Mm-hmm. But then watching another man live his life based on his faith. Now, I don't agree with his faith because it's not mine. Mm-hmm. But it was his how he was. How the man was always steadfast and calm and 
dealt with a lot of stress running our team and was able to keep himself together, but he would stay within his faith every day. And that, that, that example of his faith made me understand I need to, you know, when, when it was said time to get back, I did go, but it was just, that was, that was one of the, the benchmarks along the way that, that, that has stayed with me that where God's, okay, you're not going to get the best guy, get it from the best guy I can give to you. I'm going to give you somebody else who's really good, but it's not going to be the same one. Just seeing that, but it was just a different, it was a different example of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, but if you follow your faith, your life is better, and the people's lives around you is better mm-hmm. by just that spillover. Because mm-hmm. people talk about a negative person and the impact they have. Well, there's also the faithful person and the impact they have in the circle of people that they're in that help mm-hmm. them get past. Because you know, I've, uh, I've I've been able to work with my one son uh, doing Bible study. But went through all four gospels, and he's finally he got baptized recently, and uh, his sister did. And but I had gotten the faith first, and they came later, and that so. But that also reminds me if I if I would have changed anything about what I was doing or gave up on it, they wouldn't be where they're at. And mm-hmm. I think that's the responsibility you pick up internally about trying to follow your faith because you are looked at all the time. And, you know, one of the gentlemen I had worked with in my last job at Scott Trade, he asked me, how come you're calm all the time? Mm-hmm. Well, I just pray. He goes, what do you mean? I just pray. I talk to God. I talk to God like I'm talking to you now. There's nothing fancy. I just have a conversation. And he, and he just, but they, they, they had noticed I was calm all the time. Well, that was external. <laughs> it wasn't what was going on. But the internal calmness came later because I was still just getting back into faith at the time and my first one back to church I, I was not in a very good mood <laughs> I was doing what I was told but when you have my kind of stubbornness you don't like to be told what to do and took time of watching and learning and going to Bible studies all the time but what I watched what I got to watch was babies be born and get nine ten years old and all of a sudden these kids are very solid faithful children mm-hmm. versus the 20 the 10 year old when i got there whose parents just started and now they're 20 they don't have the same uh grasp so a lot of their stuff is still worldly and how they say things and do things and a little bit more anxious so it was just seeing that growth from birth to teen and i did a couple of uh where I was, I was a cabin leader for a couple of camps with, with the, at the Christian faith, where I went with that church, and it was just it was it's just remarkable watching them grow and change, but because they had the right information and were being led the right way, you could see that they were more solid as as individuals and more they weren't isolated, they weren't full of anxiety, you know, they were just kids living life and learning about God. You know, you mentioned growing up um, in the Bronx and that it, you know, sounds pretty, uh, sounded, can you tell, just tell me more about that? What's, what was growing up like for you? Well, I, um, my dad was, um, he worked for the Italians as a contractor okay. when I was young, really young. Mm-hmm. He got away from that. But he was always 
dabbling in crime. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of dark characters around, hmm. negative influences. Parents split up when I was about five or six. Mm-hmm. We wound up. I wound up being raised by my dad, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we we joke and call it gladiator school because that's the kind of mentality he had. He was just brute force was his approach to things, and it's not my nature. My nature is actually compassionate. I do care about people. It's taken me a while to get that back to the surface where it belongs, but that's what the, that was God's plan. Because I, I as a child, I would cry at the drop of a hat, and he would he didn't handle it well. Get, it would get real brutal. So between that and you know, I've, I've always had a, I've always seen things differently. I was always the one getting in trouble at school for saying the wrong thing. It wasn't so much saying the wrong thing; I was asking a question and was taken the wrong way because I had a curi- I've always had a curiosity about things and would ask things well, why are we doing it that way and authorities don't like those questions because I see things in systems and when I see a piece of something that's not right I'll well why are we doing it that way so did you stay uh, close to your dad you know connected with him throughout his life was is he um, has he passed on then? Yeah, he passed on in uh, '93. Um, but near the end, there I tried to keep more more aware of him. But he was on his fourth wife, and she was very controlling and kind of put a lot of division mm-hmm. between her idea of family and us other kids. So we kind of had to figure it out on our own. That's I think that's the I mean that why I, I I did develop the skills that I have is because. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a guy. I didn't have anybody showing me what to do. I always had to go figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was books in the house, but I was that was my first rebellion was I wouldn't read anything in the house. But after school every day, I would go to the library and read something mm-hmm. that I've always read. And I always had a book. And um, so that was, you know, I liked reading and learning new things. Any any particular books that were kind of big in your life? Um if it didn't have instructions on how to do something, I really wasn't interested in it. It's all about procedures and systems and biology and science, that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm not much of a. St- I don't really care much for storybooks. Yeah. Um, like my favorite book of, of logic is the Bible. Your favorite book of logic is the Bible. People don't realize it, it's actually black and white. It says, "Do these things, and you'll have this life." Yeah, <clears throat> but it's also a lot of history too, right? History and um, I don't know. It's kind of um, well. I was just listening um, this morning to a podcast called The Bible Project, and it's on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, yeah. that's what they're focusing on, and um, they were telling about how the Sermon on the Mount fits into the overall structure of Matthew, and there's like five big discourses in Matthew. In the Sermon on the Mount, I think it's split up into, like there's an introduction and then an outro and then the, the middle part. Well, anyway, it's just really structured with right. numbers and stuff. And um, and sometimes when I learn about this stuff, I think the Bible is like, it's artwork, you know, it's literature, right. but it's like um, something is supposed to be communicated to us through the structure and and other ways besides just what's put forward you know just 
in black and white words and stuff too. But a lot of times when it comes to Bible reading, a lot of people miss understanding the context of the time it was written and what's going on around it. And yeah. I like learning those aspects of it because it makes more sense to me than to sure. understand. You know, right. people say there was no room at the end. In today's time, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Then, right. but but in that time, if there was no room in the end, you weren't going to make it through the night. Hmm. The, the, that's the as the so the weight of not having a right. place to be in at night in right. those times was was critical, right? Compared to today's times, right? Yeah. Um. So um. I guess, do uh, you have any particular routines to your life that are meaningful to you? Um, you know, just ways that you structure your day or week or um, anything that like that that's just, you know, means a lot to you? No, I still kind of run on intuition. Yeah. I mean, I... My, my my wife's favorite. She'll ask me what you got to do today because I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, things will get on a list sometimes, and I'll get things taken care of. But a lot of times, it's just just kind of meandering through the day and learning new things. There's things that we all have to get to, you know, like bills and taxes and <laughs> that that kind of thing. But I spend a lot of time mainly whatever area or interest I'm in reading that. Finding out more and more, I can as I can about it, and I'll, I'll bounce back and forth. Like we're doing the the life, one of the life groups, and women we just started studying Colossians, so I'm trying to read up on that. I mean, I'll read what they said to read, but I also have a whole um, commentary library that I'll read to go along with each verse, so I can understand the context around things. So sometimes the word, an individual word, can really change your understanding so much if you understand what they mean by that particular right. word and time. Right. What do you find really satisfying to you when you're doing it? The, uh, um, when, when it makes sense. Because okay. <laughs> sometimes it's like I had uh, which which story was it? Uh, it was one of the parables and it, and I I had literally read it like 10 times in a row and I wasn't getting it and then understanding it. And, but if you just read the, if, and I read it and wasn't, and it wasn't going in. And I got to the part at the end where it says, this is what this means over here. Mm-hmm. It says it right in it. It's in, right. it's in black and white. <laughs> right. That realization of how we are mentally blocked for me, they would see some of the word because of our beliefs or whatever, or our, our own brokenness that we, we, I wasn't ready to see it yet. So I couldn't see it, even though I was literally looking at it, what the parable meant. Because, you know, first it, you read the parable and then mm-hmm. it tells you, okay, this part means this and this part means this. I'm thinking, has that been there all along? Is those kind of all of a sudden you, right. you, 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 your mind gets to the right state and you can finally. And they, and they kind of taught me that, okay, we're not always ready for what God's got for us. And, and he knows that. So he'll wait and then feed us the information when it's time. You know, you mentioned being involved in like a step program. 
is that because of like some kind of addiction or something that oh you've yes dealt yes with? I had um I was alcohol alcoholism okay. I've, I've been involved with I've been going to AA for over thirty years now okay that was a that was a big start of my getting to understand that there is a God a lot of people don't realize it's well if you just follow Jesus you'll be fine. Your addictions, but a lot of people don't realize there's there's gods at this level. People's understanding of God is here. If you have addiction problems and you're here, you haven't even got to the basement yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting to that concept that there's something greater than yourself is the first hard part. Mm-hmm. Then once you get past that, then people start to venture out into whatever belief system fits them. And I've known people who have been around it a really long time, and they haven't really let go of that peace yet that allows them to accept the faith. Mm-hmm. They believe there's mm-hmm. a God, but their faith isn't there yet. Um, I, I went through that struggle, too. About I gotten sick uh, about a year. It's been 30 years. I've been in the pro, uh, so it's about year 15, 16, sober, and still going to meetings. Life gets a lot better when you pay your bills and you're not drunk all the time. Just on its own. It really gets, <laughs> you get this big pay raise because you're not wasting all your money and you start applying things correctly to you in your life. So it's very, yeah. you know, you don't have to have a lot of feelings about it. But it'll work if you just follow it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I came down with uh, a couple of lymph nodes and lards and went to the doctor and they said, well, you either have lymphoma or sarcoidosis. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's that? Uh, it's uh, Sarcoidosis is where the immune, your immune system attacks the healthy tissue in the organs and causes granulization. So think of it like if you get radiation, what damage it'll cause and what it won't cause. Hmm. A lot of common problems are skin and lungs. Uh, the MRNA, my doctor said I look like I get hit in the chest with a shotgun because all the granulization in my lungs. Six months later, we go back to the, another scan. And it's like, it's all gone. Hmm. And he goes, does that happen? He goes, no, never. And that's all he said about it. No, never. <laughs> It's like okay, all right. So I, I can be a bit clueless too to, to what's really going on at times too because I didn't even get that it was a problem. Okay, as long as, I felt fine. So I, but when he found out it was sarcoidosis, he says, "Well, you have this, but I can't treat you. If I treat you, I'll make you sick from the treatments." Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was physically fine as far as. Function and everything going on, breathing was good and everything. And um, well, he waited about three years before he told me how bad the disease can be. <laughs> hmm. Because well, I didn't want to set you down the wrong path. So okay, and that was my reaction to that too. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I just kept moving. Well, I didn't have anything that was bugging me. But it was. But during that time, when that all first started, so maybe I'll start praying to a guy on that believing in like I should instead of taking any more chances and that was pretty much the door opening up for me to start to and then then Roger came along and uh, asked me to go to church and uh, that helped but one thing I've noticed about whether it's recovery whether it's church whether it's mission trips I got to all three of them by invitation 
Hmm. Somebody asked me if I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And that wow. made the difference. Yeah. Even when I was first getting to 12-step programs, it was ACOA, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics. Uh, I, was, I was on a ship with another guy, and he noticed I had a bit of a temper, and he just pulled me aside when we were talking. And they were like, oh, these means you want to come with me. And I went with him. And I, and I, I started to get something out of it at the time, but I was in a relationship that didn't work out. But I wound up going back a year, about a year or two later. But it was that invitation. And the same thing with Roger. He, you know, I didn't want to go to church, but he, he asked me, so I went. And I finally got there, and that kept me going. And then, I mean, I wanted to do the mission trip. I knew of the mission trip in South Dakota, but I wasn't asked to go. When I was asked to go, I said yes. <laughs> because sometimes I can get pushy. And so it's learning to wait to be you're invited to do things. And, uh, and, and those are probably the three biggest things that had the biggest impact on my life. You know, getting clean and sober and getting back with Jesus and um, being able to see it come to life in the mission trip. The work, the, okay, all this was leading up to this over here. And the, the, you want to, and then when I got there, because I have an ability to troubleshoot, Dan, he's a gentleman I went, who invited me up there, he goes, first morning, he goes, Clyde, you know how to work on diesel engines? I go, no, uh, but I'll look at it. We went over, looked at the diesel, and we got it running in 20 minutes. <laughs> and but then I went, wait a minute. I had, I had, um, it was unlimited duty in the Navy because I had broke, broke my wrist. And they assigned me to a group of engine I wasn't an engine man. I, I didn't know anything about engines. And, but they did. And I would listen to them talk all the time. And, well, they talked about troubleshooting diesels. <laughs> That stood in my head, but the day it says, I mean, you pick up things and don't even realize them, and then when when it's time, you get asked to use them, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I've seen a lot happen with me. So a lot of times I'll get get up on the trip with with the, up there, and Kurt, who was the guy, who was the director, he's getting ready to retire, but he would have a list for us to do when we got there. Then he see me, he goes, okay, here's another list for you. <laughs> These are all the things we need fixed so we can get all this other work done. Mm-hmm. So it was always giving me something to troubleshoot and figure out what I was working on, backhoes, small engines, welding, like I weld too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was ever whatever came up, and that made my day. And I, no, this is great up here because you, you get and you get to work with the native men as well. You're side by side, and a lot sometimes you would not get a lot of work done, but you would discuss God a lot. And that was really the bigger goal of, of being there is to help lead them to faith as well. And just participating and being part of that was, it was, came back by as a kite. You know, you just, you just realized how much God's got out there for us to do. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of nowhere in rough conditions. And that fits me perfectly. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, one thing, one thing about my time in the Navy was, um, the Navy has to be able to get the job done in the middle of nowhere without any support. That's the nature of being in the Navy if you're really out to sea doing it. So being in the middle of uh, the desert in South Dakota with not a lot of resources, you you apply your skills to the situation. It was kind of it was fun. You know, some days we get up and it was 90 degrees outside, and the next day we had eight inches of snow and it was 30. <laughs> Right. Just that constant change, and we just. But what I really saw being, I was working with all Christian men. How well everybody got along, 
how, how all the normal worldly nonsense that happens with guys with no trades doesn't happen in that environment. You're mm-hmm. kind to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And just trying to get the job done. Like right. Jim, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Jim, I remember Jim's first trip. It was great because I don't know. He didn't know anything. He was an accountant. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't matter. You got the right attitude. Mm-hmm. He would he would help you in any way he could. Mm-hmm. And he's developed skills from going and working with, with everybody else. And you know, this really having the right mindset and being on the right path, you get to contribute versus take away from life. And that's where I think I really enjoy being back in church and having Jesus in my life. Yeah. You mentioned um, an invitation and just how powerful that can be, you know, just to invite somebody to something. And it's just a really simple, a simple thing. Um, Even if it's just inviting someone to a cup of coffee so you can Mm -hmm. get to know them better and listen to them and share with them. Um, Speaking of that, I'm a. I've been a part of a, a group of four men who um, meet together weekly um, to um, kind of look at a scripture passage together, discuss it, uh, keep up on one another's lives, and then pray for one another. And the whole idea is helping one another as followers and apprentices of Jesus, learning and working that out in our lives. And every two years. Um, the idea is that we break apart and then each man looks for three other men and then that one group of four becomes four groups of four and they multiply. So this has been going on for I think about 18 years when one guy started it with just two groups and there's many, many groups now and I've gone through it two cycles and this February is... Um, the time for the new groups to start. You know, right. my group has broken apart and I'm just kind of putting the word out to interested people, you know, to anyone who may be interested and just saying, um, this is going on. This is the time where it starts again. And if um, you or anyone out there is interested, um, contact me and I'll just help you get involved. <laughs> so okay. just as far as an invitation goes, but I think just to kind of wrap up, um, uh, let me just ask you about um, kind of the future. And um, you, we, we've already talked about how um, you don't know, you'll know when you get there. You know? <laughs> but um, do you have any thoughts about the future and about how you want to work your way through the rest of your life? Any thoughts about how you want the, the end to be or, um, um, you know, what's important to you as far as like going forward, I guess. Well, of course going, being part of my, my church and, um, helping in that area. Cause I, I do get to, I, I do get a lot out of it more than I sometimes feel like I put into it. But that's, I think God's reward for us. We seem to be, we do what he, he wants us to do, and then we seem to reap a lot more than we put in. It just, it just feels that way, hmm. yeah. Because you get to you get all these new relationships, and you mm-hmm. get to help all the people and stuff like that. But one thing I noticed when I started doing the the jujitsu mm-hmm. is I have a a nature to my nature is to start trying to help them in the middle of the stuff to make their techniques go better against me. 
mm-hmm. and whereas the, the teaching part comes out because you, know, yeah. you, you you don't want to see other people struggle so even 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 in that regard so you want to helping a lot because you have you, you've done something for a while you want to contribute back <clears throat> and some of them I could tell some of the men I work out with do go to church you know matter of fact one they've been asking me where I went because I was talking about something and it came up in conversation. But in that community, there's not a lot that do go as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where I'm being planted for now. And right. that'll come through time. And I don't, I do not really care for evangelism. I, I, I like the attraction rather than promotion approach to faith. Um, is it traction? Attra- attraction. Oh, attraction. Attraction. Right. Sorry. Yeah. People seeing you something and right. they want to ask, and, I, right. and I've had that happen, and then and I enjoy I enjoy that path better, right? Because then there's there's an interest, and you can right. kind of keep feeding that in. And that had a pretty big influence <clears throat> on you, and coming right. to faith was right. other people attracting you through their devotion and their lives and so forth. Exactly. And because right. it's like, I, I, yeah, that system works better than what I'm using. Maybe I need to look at that. You know, it's kind of how I, I got right. there. I mean, there's a lot more to it now that I'm here with faith, but it's just that initial stepping over was a big a big challenge. Because sometimes I can t- tend to be more crusader than Christian in my attitude. <laughs> More yeah. crusader than Christian. Okay. Yeah, me and want to go out and fight. Oh, I see what yes. you mean. Okay, <laughs> yes. yeah. So I, you know, so learn to keep that in check and and listening through things better. You know, and mm-hmm. and I still have people show up in my life that I have these kind of those kind of conversations with, and I enjoy that. I mean, I work with about a half a dozen different guys in the twelve step programs as well on a regular basis, and that. That helps a lot because you're giving back for what you've been given, mm-hmm. you know, and you're trying to help guide them. I have one gentleman I work with. He, he um, his idea of faith is just following the Torah. Hmm. Okay. And I realized after numerous, he's a very smart guy. He's got about 171 IQ, but he does believe in God. What I realized, he is very stuck in belief and hasn't stepped into faith yet. Because hmm. it's all about this word, this sentence. It's all about it being exact and how he says every little He has it all memorized. Hmm. And I think, well, the first five books, Psalms and Proverbs, is the Torah. Well, there's more to the Bible than that, but that's the Torah. And so I get what you're talking about, but that was just the beginning, I think, you know, and then we've been given more. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> well, Clyde, it's been really good to talk with you and just learn more about you and your inspiring, um, to me, your life and uh, even just the um, your involvement in venturing into this new jiu-jitsu at, you know, at your age and enjoying it and just your adventure, some spirit so i appreciate that but thanks for being a guest it's been good oh to it's talk been with great you. to be here well really appreciate the time mm-hmm.